0: If you're looking for a gripping true crime podcast to get into, look no further. Unexplained Mysteries is one of the best out there. So after you check out these episodes, head on over to Unexplained Mysteries and subscribe. You can find it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy.
1: Due to the graphic nature of this episode, we advise extreme caution for our listeners. As a warning, this episode includes descriptions and discussions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised, especially for listeners under 13. Tall, dark, and blamed for the fall of the Romanov dynasty, Grigory Rasputin captures imaginations even 100 years after his mysterious death in 1916.
0: His name and likeness have appeared in everything from animated movies to the label of an imperial Russian stout. He's entered the pantheon of the single-named, along with Caesar, Jesus, and Cher.
1: Rasputin's life reads like a dark fairy tale with miraculous healings, portents of destruction, and even satanic immortality.
0: Some say Rasputin was a demon. Some say he was a saint. Others say he was a German spy sent to destroy the Romanov Empire.
1: But whoever or whatever Rasputin really was, he was dangerous.
0: Welcome to Unexplained Mysteries, a podcast Original. I'm your host, Molly.
1: And I'm your host, Richard. In life, there's so much we don't know. But in this show, we don't take we don't know for an answer.
0: Every Tuesday and Thursday, we investigate the greatest mysteries of history and life on Earth. You can find episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Unexplained Mysteries for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries
1: in the search bar. This is our first episode on Grigori Rasputin, a Siberian peasant who impressed a czar, enraged a country, and whose real-life story is tangled up in a web of myth.
0: This episode will cover Rasputin's life. We'll meet some of his believers and a few of his enemies. We'll discuss the claims made against him and some of the things he said for himself. But chiefly, we'll tell a story full of extremes and bizarre details.
1: Next episode, we'll dig into what the facts and rumors tell us about who Rasputin really was. We'll see if we can untangle the myth and get nearer to the truth. We have
0: all that and more coming up. Stay with us.
1: Grigory Rasputin wore his hair long and sported a massive black beard. He had a lean build and his movements were rapid and jerky.
0: But the most striking part of Rasputin's appearance was his eyes, pale green, deep-set, penetrating.
1: The details of Rasputin's early life are hazy. We know he was born to a peasant family in Siberia in 1869. A massive and largely lawless region, Siberia's weather ran to extremes, roasting in summer, frigid in winter, and its culture was marked by freedom, independence, and hardship fellow villagers in Rasputin's hometown reported
0: that he had a wayward upbringing, full of drinking, fornication,
1: and horse theft. But according to official logs, Rasputin's only convicted crime as a young man was being rude to the district head, the man in charge of settling local disputes. And for that, Rasputin spent two nights in jail. However, Beyond that
0: one run-in with the law, the young peasant's life was unremarkable.
1: Rasputin was uneducated, but that wasn't rare. The literacy rate in Siberia was only 4%. Even as an adult, he lived in his parents' house, as was the custom. Shortly after Rasputin turned
0: 18, he married a peasant girl, 21-year-old Praskovia Dubrovina. They had seven children, but only three of them survived
1: toddlerhood. Old photographs of Rasputin's village show pastoral scenes. Vast plains, log houses, a whitewashed church. One picture showed a shallow boat sitting idle on a riverbank with what appears to be two peasant women hard at work washing clothes in the background. That's
0: all to say Rasputin lived a normal peasant's life, until he didn't.
1: In 1897, 28-year-old Rasputin left his parents, his wife, and their child to go on a religious pilgrimage. Based on the then-current life expectancy, he probably saw himself as middle-aged.
0: It's unclear what motivated this change in Rasputin. He claimed he received a calling from God, although naysayers accused him of dodging work in the fields. Either way, the journey allowed Rasputin to escape the cyclical monotony of peasant life.
1: Rasputin believed and practiced Eastern Orthodox Christianity, the prevailing faith in Russia at the time, and used it as a guiding light in his life. He spent the next three years as a religious beggar.
0: He walked upwards of 30 miles a day and relied on the kindness of strangers for food and shelter. If help wasn't forthcoming that day, Rasputin
1: went hungry and slept under the stars. He wasn't the only one. An estimated one million people wandered about Russia on religious pilgrimages. Without access to education, it was a way for the poorer classes to seek enlightenment.
0: In this way, Rasputin saw much of the Russian countryside. He observed it slowly and up close, learning about its inhabitants. His years of wandering were, in essence, his university.
1: His curiosity and close attention led him to be able to read people. He knew what made them tick. It was this
0: ability that slowly grew him a following. His pilgrimages sometimes lasted months or even years. When he wasn't on the road, Rasputin returned to his supportive family, and each time, more religious pilgrims
1: sought him out. Rasputin met everyone with love. When bandits robbed him, he gave them everything. According to author Douglas Smith, he said, it's not mine, it's God's. By the time he
0: was in his early 30s, Rasputin had gained minor celebrity as a holy pilgrim. A small group of followers began living near his family's home.
1: However, the official religious leader of Rasputin's hometown resented this growing appreciation of the lowly peasant. To avoid detection, Rasputin dug a cave under the family stables to hold secretive religious meetings.
0: This mysterious behavior led to nasty rumors about Rasputin. For instance, it was reported that some of Rasputin's female acolytes ceremonially washed him every day in bathhouses.
1: However, in Rasputin's early years as a religious figure, these were just rumors. In fact, Rasputin was more pious and mainstream than the stories about him suggested.
0: He learned to read the Gospels and committed much of the Bible to memory. He wrestled with the body's sinful inclinations, repeating the prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner.
1: For a while, Rasputin wore fetters, actual chains around his ankles, in order to remind himself of his imperfect life and devotion to Christ. Later, he deemed fetters too self-aggrandizing, and he wore one shirt for a year without ever taking it off instead. In the crowded field of devout peasant pilgrims,
0: Rasputin stood out. He gained a reputation as a wise man, a storyteller, and a healer.
1: Prominent seminary leader, Archimandrite Theophan, who surrounded himself with holy men, said, according to Smith, I have never heard anyone pray as he does. After praying with him, life itself becomes clearer and so easier to bear. Theophan was also convinced that Rasputin was special.
0: As Smith put it, in Theophan's eyes, Rasputin had the gift of prophecy. He could read the past and future in every person's face, a gift he had acquired through fasting and prayer.
1: Within a few years, Rasputin was so well regarded that his message was heard by a pair of Russian noblewomen called the Black Princesses. From there, he was only one degree of separation away from the highest seat of Russian power.
0: Twenty-six-year-old Nicholas II became emperor in 1894 after the sudden death of his father, Alexander III. The late czar hadn't prepared his eldest son for the responsibilities of rule. He thought he had more time.
1: Nicholas himself was dismayed at the prospect of becoming czar, but nevertheless accepted the burden. To preserve the monarchy, he married Alexandra Feodorovna 25 days later.
0: The marriage seemed like the perfect political match. Alexandra was the granddaughter of England's Queen Victoria, but the Russian aristocracy quickly grew to dislike the new Tsarina. She had a tendency to be antisocial at court.
1: It was a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more Alexandra guarded her privacy, the more her extended family gossiped behind her back, making her even less willing to open up. The black princesses
0: were an exception to this general hostility. They accepted Alexandra with
1: open arms, and the three eventually became close friends. The black princesses' actual names were Militia and Anastasia. They were the daughters of the King of Montenegro. However, the true source of the princesses' power was their connection to the occult.
0: Occultism was rampant in Russia. The educated classes were fascinated with everything from hypnotism to telepathy. Constant political upheaval and rapid industrial changes created the low-buzz unease of chaos. Occultism offered personal power and distraction from this
1: uncertainty. To be clear, sophisticated scientific knowledge was available at the time. The educated world had cell theory, germ theory, and Mendel's understanding of genetics. In fact, they were only a couple of years away from Einstein's publication of the theory of relativity in 1905. But
0: soothsayers and magicians were more popular than scientists
1: in the royal court. The black princesses introduced many men claiming to have mystical powers to the royal couple. Alexandra accepted them gladly. In addition to the loneliness brought on by her isolation she needed a miracle
0: as the serena her only and fraught function was to produce a male heir however alexandra had yet to give birth to a son
1: a year after they were married alexandra and nicholas had their first child princess olga a girl
0: six more years and three more pregnancies went by tatiana Maria and Anastasia, all girls.
1: Alexandra and Nicholas were desperate. They wanted and needed a son.
0: Around that time, a Frenchman and med school dropout named Nizier Philippe was making waves in occult circles. He claimed to have mystical healing powers and the ability to communicate with the dead. The black princesses, who were well-known in the occult community, made Philippe's acquaintance and introduced him to Alexandra. By 1901, the Empress had taken Philippe into her
1: confidence. According to Maurice Paleolaga, the French ambassador to Russia, Philippe summoned the spirit of Alexander III, and Nicholas asked his dead father's advice on how to run the country.
0: Philippe also claimed that he could determine the sex of a child in utero, and at the end of 1901, he told Alexandra that she was pregnant with a son. Alexandra was overjoyed, but Philippe cautioned her not to see any doctors or tell anyone in court.
1: After several months of keeping the secret, Alexandra's belly grew and she stopped wearing a corset. When her change in appearance couldn't be hid any longer, she and Nicholas made the pregnancy known.
0: But by the summer, it was clear that something was wrong. Alexandra's belly hadn't grown for months, and the fetus wasn't moving. When she finally went to see a gynecologist, she found out that she hadn't been pregnant in the first place. Instead, she was gaining weight.
1: The couple publicly called it A miscarriage.
0: The Russian public grew suspicious of Philippe's relationship with the royal family. Moreover, Russia's ruling classes resented the fact that a French magician had more influence over foreign policy than they did.
1: By 1903, under mounting political pressure, Nicholas and Alexandra expelled the French mystic. Alexandra wept bitterly, but as Philippe left, He was rumored to have prophesied that he would die and come back to them in the form of another man. Coming up, Rasputin
0: goes from a nobody to the most talked-about man in Russia. Now, back to the story.
1: By 1904, 35-year-old Grigory Rasputin had a wide reputation as a holy man and healer through his pilgrimages across Russia. His notoriety put him on a collision course with the Tsar. In July 1904,
0: after 10 years of trying, Russian Tsarina Alexandra gave birth to a son, Alexei. Alexandra was overwhelmed with joy and relief, and the whole country celebrated with her.
1: Church bells rang, and cannons boomed. But the happy news came with a weighty disclaimer. Like her grandmother, Queen Victoria, Alexandra was a carrier of a genetic disorder, hemophilia. For hemophiliacs, blood doesn't clot normally, so even small cuts and bruises can be dangerous. Unfortunately, Alexei was born with this condition.
0: Alexandra knew the dangers all too well. Her brother, Frederick, was a hemophiliac. When Frederick was three years old, he fell out a window onto a stone terrace. Although he appeared uninjured by the fall, Frederick died within hours of internal bleeding.
1: Alexandra and Nicholas went from desperately wanting a son to desperately wanting their new son to be well.
0: Later in the same year, 35-year-old Rasputin extended his pilgrimages to the Russian capital of St. Petersburg. At first, he disliked city life, saying, It's hard to live here. There are no regular hours, no regular days, nothing but holidays that mean the death of the soul.
1: But the longer he stayed, the more Rasputin grew accustomed to the noise and excess. Seminary leader Archimandrite Theophon set up Rasputin with his wealthy friends. Rasputin attended parties,
0: met city folk, and put his ascetic ways behind him. It was at one such party that he met the black princesses, the occult-loving friends of Empress Alexandra. The sisters immediately connected with
1: Rasputin. In 1905, the black princesses introduced Rasputin to Alexandra and Nicholas. As with Nizier Philippe before him, the couple sat and listened to Rasputin talk for hours. Alexandra wanted him to heal and comfort her son. But most importantly, she
0: sought an advisor to bolster her husband's resolve as a ruler. She loved Nicholas, but she recognized that he was weak-willed and fatalistic.
1: Rasputin fit the bill. He was charismatic, confident and seemed to have a true spiritual connection the couple introduced him to their children and even permitted him to come to the palace without invitation
0: when rasputin made trips back to siberia he made sure everybody knew he was friends with the romanovs he used the informal tense when speaking of them as if he were one of the family and soon they needed him to be
1: In fall of 1907, three-year-old Alexei took a tumble in the garden. His legs started to swell, and the little boy wailed in pain. As the hours passed, the doctors admitted there was nothing they could do. Servants and family alike went about the palace ashen-faced. They feared for the young heir's life. Alexandra sent for
0: Rasputin, who was in the capital, and he came at once... Rasputin went into Alexei's room and sent the doctors away.
1: The next morning, Alexei's swelling was gone and the pain subsided. He appeared to be miraculously healed. No one in the palace could believe it. Rasputin had saved his life.
0: From then on, Rasputin had unshakable credibility
1: and influence in the palace. But not everyone was so enamored with him. Rasputin met other powerful people in St. Petersburg, some of whom became his enemies. Eliodor, a
0: monk at the St. Petersburg Theological Seminary, was young and handsome in an almost feminine way. He drew great crowds with what he called his teachings, but critics saw it as ravings.
1: Iliador talked about how the country was being ruined by Jewish people, journalists, Russia's Congress, and foreigners.
0: After meeting Rasputin, Eliodor's interest grew until it bordered on obsession. Rasputin's rise from celebrated pilgrim to a consort of the royal family was exactly the path Iliador wanted for himself.
1: For a time, Rasputin and Iliador worked together. They made religious speeches in front of large crowds. They were cheered on like rock stars, and Eliodor’s followers gave Rasputin expensive gifts.
0: Rasputin once came to Iliador's rescue in the spring of 1909. Iliador's constant outlandish public attacks on Nicholas's ministers had led to a violent clash with the police. Rasputin spoke to Nicholas on Iliador's behalf, Iliador said that Rasputin was like an angel.
1: But Iliador never received the same acclaim that Rasputin did, and the monk grew tired of being in Rasputin's shadow. His loyalty turned to animosity.
0: Iliador claimed that Rasputin had opened up about his relationship with the palace. He said that Rasputin carried the Tsarina in his arms, that he cuddled and kissed her, that Rasputin had all kinds of orgies in baths and beds.
1: Eliodore even published actual letters he claimed were from Alexandra to Rasputin. In one, she allegedly said, I wish for only one thing, to fall asleep forever on your shoulders, in your embrace. The press and the public were horrified. They couldn't believe
0: that this peasant priest not only had access to the royal family, but was having an affair.
1: Nicholas didn't believe the rumors and shunned the report. But the public's perception of Rasputin was set. By continuing to keep Rasputin so close to him at court, he lost his subject's respect.
0: Rasputin was incensed by these letters and turned on Iliador. He told Nicholas that Iliadore had gone insane and even claimed he was the devil.
1: In turn, Nicholas put pressure on the Orthodox leadership in St. Petersburg. A month later, the church defrocked Iliadur, and he left the faith. He built a house in the country and tried to settle down, but his bitterness grew. He needed to take revenge against the people who he believed wronged him.
0: And Eliodore wasn't the only one out for Rasputin's head.
1: Members of the wealthy elite hated Rasputin. They resented his influence over Nicholas and took issue with how the peasant was carrying on with women of the upper classes.
0: As author Douglas Smith puts it, Rasputin was referred to in the press as the deflowerer of young virgins. His appetite was said to be insatiable.
1: A senator's daughter said that Rasputin was so adept in bed that, comparatively, all other men were good for nothing.
0: In Rasputin's St. Petersburg apartment, a group of women waited on him hand and foot. They listened to him, recorded his sayings, and brought him money and presents. When they left, they pocketed his food scraps and dirty underwear they found themselves profoundly comforted in the presence of Rasputin.
1: But it wasn't all positive reviews. Over and over again, women, even those meeting the man for the first time, reported being caressed by Rasputin. He stroked shoulders and grabbed hands. He pelted women with wet kisses and fondled them all over. If he was drinking, Rasputin's petting
0: turned to pulling someone into his bedroom. The rest of the party continued to awkwardly drink their tea as they heard moaning through the wall.
1: Police surveillance reported that Rasputin also frequently picked up sex workers, sometimes two within the same hour. While many women
0: reported that Rasputin stopped his amorous advances once it was clear the interest wasn't mutual,
1: several rape allegations were leveled against him one allegation came from inside the palace prince alexei's nursemaid a number of people tried to bring these concerns and rasputin's declining reputation in general to nicholas and alexandra's attention but the rulers dismissed them out of hand It was clear to the Russian public
0: that Rasputin was more concerned with his own cult of personality than he was with spirituality.
1: And this made many wonder whether or not Rasputin was part of a mysterious sect called the Klists. In the middle
0: of the 17th century, the Russian Orthodox Church went through a split between those who accepted new reforms and those who didn't. This marked the end of one unified community, and a large number of religious sects seeped through the cracks.
1: The Clists were one such sect. According to popular rumors of the time, they were a secret society, one that allegedly included subgroups so extreme that followers would cut off their own genitals. The
0: clists were said to sing and whirl in circles before cutting off the breast of a naked virgin. Then, they passed around the severed breast and ate it. The group then listened to teachings and prophecies.
1: Afterward, they had group sex. These rumors were probably exaggerated. More accurately, the clists sought to access the divine through a kind of ecstasy. In their private gatherings, they sang and danced to exhaustion. They twirled as fast as they could, throwing their heads back and closing their eyes until their minds soared and they experienced hallucinations.
0: Members of the Russian state were concerned with the number and intensity of these secret groups and tried, often in vain, to establish who was
1: and wasn't a Clist. Being thought of as a clist was bad for one's reputation. Being convicted as one could result in prison time or worse. But even with all of these salacious rumors floating around, Nicholas refused to stop seeing Rasputin.
0: Creating a climate that was ripe for rebellion.
1: Coming up, Political unrest, murder, and revolution. Now, back to the story.
0: 35-year-old Rasputin ascended from lowly Siberian peasant to the Russian royal family's trust in less than a year. This exalted status, combined with Rasputin's rumored debauchery, made him one of the most despised people in Russia.
1: For some political context, during his reign, Tsar Nicholas had more than just family issues to worry about. In 1905, Russia lost an unpopular war to Japan, and internal conflict tore at the fabric of Russian society. Workers went on strike in cities across
0: the country. Railways shut down. Peasants torched manor houses. Representatives of Tsarist authority were attacked in the streets.
1: On January 22, 1905, government troops gunned down peaceful protesters outside the Winter Palace. Bloody Sunday, as this incident came to be known, lit the fuel of revolution, which almost destroyed the monarchy.
0: Nicholas's reign was collapsing. When he was on the verge of giving up, Rasputin wrote the Tsar a letter encouraging him to be confident in himself and his rule.
1: Nicholas was heartened by Rasputin's words. They kept him from fleeing the country at the height of the violence. However, Nicholas was forced to
0: make major concessions to end the revolt. In October of 1905, he signed the October Manifesto, which granted freedom of speech. It also allowed the formation of political parties, and it gave the state Duma, Russian's congressional body, actual legislative power. Nicholas's autocracy became a constitutional monarchy overnight.
1: These compromises cost Nicholas dearly. The press hemorrhaged with negative stories about Rasputin, who they blamed for Nicholas's perceived weakness. They said Rasputin was a clist, a sex maniac, and a prisoner of demonic delusion. The press also claimed that he had unprecedented access to and influence over the royal family. Rasputin
0: united liberals, conservatives, Orthodox Christians, and atheists alike,
1: all against Tsar Nicholas. With new freedom of the press, these stories continued unchecked. Rasputin was single-handedly disintegrating public opinion of the monarchy. And yet... Nicholas refused to send Rasputin away out of principle. The royal
0: couple felt that their family matters were their own personal business and didn't affect their status as rulers. But the Russian people didn't see it that way,
1: and some looked to eliminate Rasputin. In June 1914, 45-year-old Rasputin ate a mid-afternoon meal with his family in Siberia. Friends and acolytes crowded around the table with them. There was lively talk and plenty of food. Rasputin excused himself for a moment and
0: stepped outside to send a telegram.
1: Outdoors, he saw a woman lingering near his house. She was clad in black and obscured her face with a white handkerchief. Rasputin assumed she was a beggar and dug in his pockets to find something to give her. All of a sudden, she leapt towards him. Rasputin saw
0: a flash of metal as the woman stabbed him in the stomach, above the navel.
1: Still on his feet, Rasputin ran for help. When he looked back, he saw that the woman was chasing him, her hand outstretched, gripping a bloody dagger.
0: Rasputin stooped down to grab a large stick. When the assassin caught up to him, he hit her on the head, knocking her to the ground.
1: Eventually, Rasputin's screams brought people to the scene. A crowd dragged Rasputin's attacker away from him. People were taken aback by the sight of the woman. She had a gash where her nose used to be. Rasputin's family
0: cleaned his wounds and brought him to his bed. He was in danger of bleeding to death. A doctor operated immediately in the dusty dimness of Rasputin's village home. The surgery revealed that the knife had nicked his intestines in a number of places, but luckily missed his bladder.
1: The operation was a success and Rasputin recovered. In a message to Nicholas, he wrote, this time it didn't work. Next time, whatever God orders. Rasputin's attacker was
0: interrogated. She turned out to be a 33-year-old local seamstress Investigators discovered that she was sent by the dishonored monk Iliador.
1: Iliador paid the seamstress 150 rubles, likely worth at least 6 months of her salary, and convinced her that Rasputin was the antichrist. After the attack, Iliador
0: fled Russia to live in Sweden.
1: But Rasputin's survival did little to improve Nicholas's ability to rule by december 1916 inflation in russia was up by 300 percent there were severe shortages of food and basic necessities the russian ambassador in sweden received a letter from a friend back home saying we are not living now we are on fire
0: the rasputin household held its breath there were no more parties or social activities after the assassination attempt Rasputin realized that his time was running out. He wrote to his family, my hour will soon strike. Members of Russia's elite class were getting nervous. If the country went into rebellion, they were sure to lose everything to the working class. They needed to preserve the monarchy at all costs. To do that, they had to kill the man at the heart of the issue, Grigory Rasputin. And they had the perfect patsy to do the job.
1: 29-year-old Prince Felix Yusupov belonged to one of the wealthiest and most powerful families in the country.
0: Yusupov was lazy, spoiled, and ill-behaved. As a young boy, he nearly stabbed one of the family's servants to death when he pretended they were a rebellious slave.
1: He was also convinced it was his destiny to save Russia.
0: Years before, a clairvoyant told Yusupov that he would take part in a political assassination.
1: When Yusupov realized that the monarchy was on the brink of collapse, he knew it was time to act. He had met Rasputin a few times at large parties and was somewhat close to him. In December 1916,
0: Yusupov invited Rasputin to come over to meet his new wife. They planned the meeting for late in the evening on the 29th.
1: Yusupov pulled out all the stops for Asputin's visit. He prepared his cellar to display his wealth and finery. He had his servants prepare biscuits, teas, cakes, and wine. Some others joined Yusupov, including two friends,
0: the Grand Duke, Dmitri Pavlovich, and Vladimir Porishkivich, plus a doctor named Stanislas Lazovert. Once they arrived, the men surveyed the cellar.
1: The room had a low ceiling held up by thick arches. An ornately carved table stood in the center. A fire crackled in the hearth. It was cozy, almost tomb-like. There was just one thing left to do.
0: Yusupov removed a box of cyanide from its hiding place.
1: He handed it to Dr. Lazovert, who ground the poison into powder and laced it into the cakes. He also stirred it into the wine. It was enough to kill several men instantly. Finally, just after midnight on the 30th, Yusupov retrieved Rasputin from his St. Petersburg apartment. Rasputin met him outside. He was dressed up in a pale blue silk shirt, embroidered with gold. Yusupov drove Rasputin back to his palace
0: and let him in the side door, down to the cellar. Yankee Doodle Dandy played on the gramophone upstairs.
1: According to Yusupov's memoirs, Rasputin shoveled the poison cakes into his mouth, but showed no ill effects. Yusupov was astonished. He offered Rasputin a glass of the spiked wine. Rasputin drank, but still nothing. Feeling like he had no other choice to fulfill his destiny, Yusupov left the cellar and retrieved his revolver.
0: When he returned, Rasputin breathed heavily, but was still very much alive. Yusupov raised the gun and squeezed the trigger.
1: He struck Rasputin in the chest. The mystic screamed and writhed on the ground.
0: At the sound, Yusupov's friends hurried downstairs. After a few seconds of wriggling, Rasputin's body lay still. Dr. Lazover declared him dead and turned off the light they would deal with the body later. In the meantime, they were going to celebrate.
1: Back upstairs, Yusupov and Porishkievich patted one another on the back for saving Russia from ruin and dishonor.
0: But a sense of unnatural unease swept over Yusupov. He decided to go back to the cellar to make sure Rasputin was really
1: dead. Yusupov felt for a pulse, nothing, but then, Rasputin's left eye twitched, and then the right. His eyes opened. Yusupov froze in terror. Rasputin leapt to his
0: feet, foaming at the mouth. He attacked Yusupov, clawing at him with long fingernails. Yusupov later said, Rasputin was the reincarnation of Satan himself.
1: Yusupov raced up the stairs and into the courtyard. Rasputin crawled after him on his hands and knees, roaring like a wounded animal. Yusupov spun around
0: and shot Rasputin twice more before the crazed monk finally crashed into a snowbank.
1: Within minutes, the assassins pulled a car around and loaded Rasputin's body inside. They drove to the Great Petrovsky Bridge a few miles away
0: they tied up rasputin's body and hauled it out of the car before flinging it over the railing to the icy river
1: below according to yusupov's friend purish only then did they realize they hadn't attached the weights they brought with them to the body there was nothing they could do they could only hope that rasputin was truly dead when they returned
0: Poroschkiewicz went up to the two soldiers stationed at the palace's entrance and informed them that they had just killed Rasputin.
1: Two days later, authorities found Rasputin's body frozen to the underside of an ice floe. His body had to be chipped away and broken free before it could be brought to the surface. His arms were stiff above his head. The cord
0: around his wrists was severed.
1: Rasputin's daughter, Maria, said that he successfully untied his hands and that he died making the sign of the cross.
0: Rasputin's murder in December 1916 can be considered the first shot of the Russian Revolution.
1: A few months later, protesters clamoring for bread clashed with the police in the streets of St. Petersburg. The Duma formed a provisional government, and soon afterwards, Nicholas II abdicated the throne. This new government put
0: the royal family on a train to Siberia. They stopped over in Rasputin's village, the first time they had seen it. Alexandra had tears in her eyes as she said, "Grigory lived here.
1: That fall, the Bolshevik party, led by Vladimir Lenin, successfully overthrew the provisional government. They took the royal family as their prisoners and moved them to the town of Yekaterinburg,
0: Guards closely monitored the royal family, interned in a secluded house. The four sisters, Olga, Tatiana, Maria, and Anastasia, had topaz stones sewn into their clothing, gifts from Rasputin to keep them safe.
1: In the early morning of July 17, 1918, the family of seven were roused from sleep. They dressed and then descended into the basement.
0: Within seconds, they were killed by a firing squad.
1: The royal couple sacrificed everything to keep company with Rasputin. Nicholas and Alexandra kept seeing him, even though it endangered their reputation, their country, and their lives. The question
0: is, why? Historians and theorists have debated this question for over a hundred years. Some say Rasputin was actually a good man and a competent advisor who was destroyed by his enemies.
1: Others suggest he was duping the gullible monarchs and his followers, manipulating all of them for his own gain. Finally, some believe the Romanovs never stood a chance because Rasputin controlled them with evil, mystical powers.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Unexplained Mysteries. We will be back on Thursday with Part 2 of Grigori Rasputin. For more information on Rasputin, amongst the many sources we used, we found Rasputin – Faith, Power, and the Twilight of the Romanovs by Douglas Smith extremely helpful to our research.
1: You can find all episodes of Unexplained Mysteries and all other ParCast Originals for free on Spotify.
0: Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Unexplained Mysteries, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker.
1: To stream Unexplained Mysteries on Spotify, just open the app and type Unexplained Mysteries in the search bar. See you next time. And remember, never take We Don't Know for an answer.
0: Unexplained Mysteries was created by Max Cutler and is a Parcast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsik, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Unexplained Mysteries was written by Amy Carver, with writing assistance by Ali Wicker, and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rossner.